one other piece of this is so much of my level of, you know, wanting to end my life was because my identity was in my performance. Getting married to this girl, uh, being that hero, running this, you know, well-intentioned nonprofit was all positioning. It was all something that echoed my quote-unquote success or abilities or capacities. And when all of that was gone, who am I? I didn't have an identity in me. I placed my identity in the things I did. And this is where so many men are trapped. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. I am excited. This is one of my friends, man on a mission, Angus Nelson. He is doing extraordinary things for men out there. And guess what? I wanted to celebrate him. If I'm a man on purpose, I need to celebrate other men on purpose, right? That's what we do on this show. So remember, the mission of this show is to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose. Why? So that they can reveal their most authentic self and live their most fulfilling and regret-free life possible. We're doing it, and we're doing it at a high level. And I feel so fulfilled by it because we are just, we're hearing from men all over the world who are listening to our podcast, who are in our Facebook community, the Men on Purpose Facebook community, who are downloading our content, and they're just getting help all over the place. And they're getting elevation and involvement, and it's beautiful. So remember, if you have not been on or joined our Men on Purpose Facebook community, get on right now. Pause this. Get on. Join it. The Men on Purpose Facebook community. Obviously on Facebook, or the Mental Purpose Community on Facebook, obviously. Um, fill out the little two questions, get you in there. We've got a ton of free content. We've got coaching in there. We've got videos in there. We've got a great ecosystem of other men who are on purpose doing amazing things for themselves so that they can affect generations both now and in the future just like we are. It's awesome. Other free resources? Well, you're listening to it. You're listening to the other free resource. That's awesome, and we really appreciate your support. So... You want to find out more about the show, more about me, our coaching business, our front runner personal involvement retreats, Aaron or anybody else that's a part of the Mental Purpose organization now, just go to ianlobos.com, my name, ianlobos.com, or mentalpurposepodcast.com. It points to the same place. You can find out everything, get the show notes there, every information on the guest, where you can find the guest, where you can book the guest, where you can talk to the guest, you name it, you got it there. Cool? Cool. Okay. So, Angus Nelson is a really, really, really good uh, buddy of mine. And we met through a mutual friend, Eric, who was on the show a couple months ago. And I love meeting just just dudes that are doing some really big things for the world. So let me tell you about Angus. Um, Angus is a man on a mission. He's a men's executive coach, one of America's top performance strategists, and he founder of Evolve Men Coaching. Um, His mission is to help ambitious men get more out of life. Super simple. He takes uh, years of best practices from advising Fortune 500 leaders to help men create more freedom, more fulfillment, more focused intent so they can make the most impact in the world that they are designed for. His past clients include members of Fortune 50 brands to celebrity personalities while also speaking at headquarters of top brands such as Walmart, Coca-Cola, BMW, Disney, Whole Foods, Adobe, and Angus is doing big things as if you can't tell. Um, He is married with three children. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee with their two dogs and the guy is just, uh, he's switched on. I'm telling you right now, I kind of tell you every time, and every time I mean it, but this is the one where you really want to make sure you're somewhere where you can take notes. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching me take notes way more than I do normally. And, um, and, and Angus is dropping, you know, golden nuggets. It's kind of a played out term. They're just really deep level, really percolated stuff that's fine-tuned 
for you just to take. So instead of it being a big old rock, he's cut it down so much for you to just take the most beneficial piece that would help your life, that will help you evolve or elevate or do whatever it is that you need to do to get to that next level. He's doing that in this podcast literally the entire time. We are talking about all kinds of stuff in this episode. We're talking about trauma, cheating, self-care, suicide. We're talking about grind and hustle and the, and the, and the movement against it that you know Angus and I are on. We're talking about failure in business, failure in marriage, literally identity, meaning, and contribution. We're talking about uh, performance, hero complexes, victimization, uh, self-love, self-care, morning routines. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. All right. You ready? Okay. Ready? Got the pen? All right. Enjoy. Cool. Let's do it, man. Fellow man on purpose. I love celebrating guys like you who are doing really extraordinary stuff like we are. And, um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an honor. It's a treat. So welcome to the man on purpose podcast. And let's, let's give the audience some freaking gold today, man. Oh, fantastic. I will dig deep and find some rivers of gold. Yeah, great to be here, Ian. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And um, it's interesting because the, the, the men who are on purpose in the world, like they have connected me with so many people like you. Who connected us, Dennis? Shoot. Um, so. Or, oh, gosh, because we had like um, different different routes. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Somebody Actually, like now that. I have to go look. Dennis at has been on the show. He's, yeah. a, he's a fantastic dude, doing some great things on the Building Men podcast. Yeah. And uh, you know what's interesting is a lot of people say to me, "Why do you, why do you like have other coaches and other people doing the same thing you're doing on your podcast?" And I'm like, why wouldn't I? There's a lot of yeah. room out here. Not everybody wants to work with me, and I can't work with everybody. So. Mm-hmm. why not celebrate these guys? Cause if there's a guy listening right now and maybe I'm just not his flavor, I uh, doesn't, you know, like my style or the way I talk or something like that. And maybe, yeah. maybe my, my programs will be effective for him, but maybe he's just not into me. Then if this podcast can be a catalyst for him getting help from you, that's awesome. It's a win for all of us. Agreed. And that's why I think you and I get along so well, because we were, we live in a world of abundance. And when you look at the fact that, I mean, just the name alone, men on purpose, the amount of men who are living on purpose is such a small yeah. number of men. Yeah. And the fact if you're listening to this right now, you've already set yourself apart because the level of intention that men show up with, the fact that they are conscious and that they are awoke, as the kids say, yeah. that there are very few of them. Uh, there's so many men who are living a life of complacency and living in the matrix. Yep. You know, if we can co- coin a, a pop culture, uh, which some would say the past, but the new one's coming out. Number four of the matrix is coming out. Um, but that's where men are, are caught is they're caught in this way of just living their life day to day, expecting the fact that this is just the way it is. Yeah. And they're hoping for something different, but never doing anything about it. Uh, so that's why I'm super excited and stoked to to talk to you because my story was one of being that guy and then having so much shit hit the fan, yeah. like I had to change. Yeah. And pain is a massive motivator. It's not the best motivator, but it sure can make some stuff happen. I totally agree. So tell the audience about you, man. Like you're, I mean, obviously I, I talked about you in the intro, but 
like let's get deep into your story because it's it's motivating and it's really it's interesting because it's not it, all, all of our stories of pain and anguish and fear mm-hmm. they all mix up it's just there's some different routes that we mm-hmm. took but we still ended up somewhere that was not where we wanted to be not who we wanted to be and then the biggest piece like I say on here is mental purpose like people who are on purpose take action they do something about mm-hmm. it they don't complain about it and but what happens when you do take action when you listen to a show like this just like you said is you you take yourself and you start separating yourself from other people and sometimes people don't like that it's not as comfortable mm-hmm. and then they just they're like living in two different worlds and like well I really want this but I'll lose my friend group so I'm not sure what to do and that's why we built the mental purpose community so that people can say, you know what, I want to change. I, I can't be with these guys anymore every weekend and party and I, I need to make some changes in my life or I need to, I need to be around guys that are, that are appreciating their wives and taking them out for date nights. How do I do that? Well, now you've got an ecosystem to come to to celebrate that you're not going out and partying every weekend, but you're staying in with your kids to make a difference in their lives. That's it's awesome. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And Men need each other. The lone wolf BS um, is just hurting too many people. And that's, you know, part of our old nature as men is we isolate. We think we got to do it on our own. We've got to figure it all out. We've got to be strong. We've got to carry all this weight. And my story, that's what I thought. My first business, I started in my late 20s. And I, it was a nonprofit organization focused on a really good cause. We were working with young adults. It was all arts-driven. So we put on concerts. We had poetry slams, jazz nights, dance nights. And we put on a couple of music festivals. And so through the course of um, the three years we were open, we had over 15,000 kids come through our, our doors each year. And like it was just awesome. But inside, it was a completely different story. Yeah. We had one of those music festivals had some really big names in it, um, and we had thunder showers come in and rained out part of it. We lost seventy two thousand uh, dollars in one weekend, which for our small little nonprofit was pretty monstrous. And so I and my wife lived in my parents' basement to pay it all back because I had this you know level of conviction and moral value. Like I want to make sure everybody gets paid. I don't want to you know cop out on anybody, and I didn't know how to ask for help. I thought I had to carry that weight and like turn this ship around. There was something in me that wanted to prove to my wife, to my community, to my board, you know, I, I could do this. And under the weight of that, I started with porn. And so now pornography was, you know, kind of my go-to under the stress because at least in pornography, I felt like I could control some stuff. And then the guilt and shame out of all that. And I, and I come from a faith background, so porn is definitely conflicting with my, you know, my, my, my sense of self. And now I start drinking and trying to numb, you know, a lot of that pain. And then I started sleeping around. And in short order, I blew up my marriage, blew up the business, blew up my sense of self. And now what? So the faith perspective had me in massive shame you know, why would God love me? Why would anyone love me? And you follow the line of that continuum is why should I even love myself? And so December 23rd, 2003, I'm sitting under a Christmas tree, or excuse me, December 23rd, I'm divorced. December 25th, I'm sitting underneath a Christmas tree. So two days after my divorce, I'm contemplating how to take my life. And I heard this voice and it said, we're not done here yet. 
And that was the beginning of kind of the shift. I had already gotten into counseling, trying to like sort through my crap, but I really hadn't made the kinds of shifts that were necessary. I was still kind of a recluse. I was smoking like a, like a banshee and still drinking um, and trying to like, you know, work through my pain. And I don't know, like men, we, when, when, when divorce happens a, a lot of times, like if we're not, the, I don't know, man, dude, men just get messed up in divorce. That's, I'll just leave it at that. I've seen it over and over again. So I started getting into this personal development stuff as a result of that experience to like, well, what else is there? I didn't realize elements of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, consciousness. I didn't understand how to have grace in my life for myself. Furthermore, I always saw myself as kind of a victim. I saw myself in this place where all these things were happening because I had done something. I deserved it. Um, I was, I was a bad person and that revealed to me this really crappy mindset. And I'd been reading some books and there was a book down in, um, a guy in Alabama had written and, um, I was like, shoot, I'm gonna go sit on this guy for a year and let him mentor me. He had a program and I just cashed in my chips in Wisconsin, put my house on the market and I moved down to, uh, Alabama to sit on this guy for a year and he had this perspective that had um, psychology, Eastern philosophy, some faith elements, and like um, like oils and uh, supplements, and like all the things, all mixed into one. Yeah. And it was the best thing for me because it helped me see things from such different angles. And that's where I connected to grace. That's where I connected to understand human behavior and psychology. And I met this girl. And so my one year, I was going to be in Alabama for one year, turned into eight because we eventually got married and I had a relationship that I otherwise would have never known I could have had. And I um, ended up getting an opportunity to work in corporate. And uh, with my nonprofit background and working with community building, a friend of mine was starting an association for Fortune 500 brands, all based on the turnaround from the 08 and 09 um, downturn were these companies that were springing up that were all peer-to-peer based. So Uber, Lyft, you know, all of these, you know, deliveries, um, TaskRabbit, um, Airbnb, you know, you name it, like all that stuff was coming on the market. And so this friend of mine was doing all this research in the space and gave me a shot, said, how about you run the people side of it? So I ran this association with over 200 seats filled. We had 74 brands during my tenure there. Everything from Walmart to Whole Foods, BMW, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, just massive brands, Wells Fargo. And I'm leading calls, I'm doing all this curriculum. And then on the personal calls, we start talking about other issues because these specifically men were hired to piss people off. They're innovation. They're there to change the status quo. And so they're under their own pressure. And here we are talking about relying more on your employability than your employment. And I started to see patterns that a lot of the stuff these men were dealing with were the exact same things that I had dealt with years before. And then that kind of bled into me exploring like, shoot, I think I got a knack for this. I want to coach. Like, how can I help men get the hell out of their own way? And so that's kind of the quick synopsis of how it all kind of came together. I love it, man. I, there's a, there's questions that I have for you. I want to go back for a second and I'm just, I'm really curious because I, I meet so many men who have been divorced 
and who had a similar situation like you thinking this shit's all over. Like my life's not worth it because I'm not married. I don't fit this, this mold that society says I'm supposed to fit. I don't, I don't have like 2.5 children and I don't, and I don't have the BMW parked in the driveway of the, the house. That's the most expensive in the neighborhood, whatever it might be, whatever the, whatever that fantasy land is that most men live in being a provider. Yeah. And so it, it, it is incredible to hear when somebody says, you know, I, I, I got, you know, I was married and then I, you know, messed some shit up and then I, I got divorced and then like, I wanted to, I didn't think it was worth living anymore, which is, that's an extreme. That's, that's the extreme if you think about it. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I want to understand the Genesis because I know that there are men listening to this right now who are in marriages that they probably got into because it was what you're supposed to do. And I was telling somebody this the other day where it's like, um, he's, he, he was, we were talking about getting married and, uh, and I said, well, look, man, like that's the next thing that puts attention on, on, on people. It's the first, it's like high school, where are you going to college? College, what are you studying? When are you graduating? Then it's graduation. Then it's where are you getting a job? Then I got this job and then people get bored with that after a year and you're like, oh, uh, oh I'm getting married. I'm getting married now. Mm. Oh, um, more yeah. attention on attention back on me. Okay, well that's boring. Now you already got married. You've been married for a couple of years. Oh, I'm having a baby. Hey, get that attention yeah. back on me. Oh, uh, oh, I'm, we're having another baby. Like, and it's just this this mm-hmm. vicious cycle. I I'm really curious, and I wonder how many people are actually happy in those situations, and mm-hmm. how many people would, if they could wave a magic wand and and redo the whole thing, how many would redo it the same way? Right. Because you wouldn't do your first marriage like you wouldn't have gone through any of that stuff if you could wave a magic wand. It helped you. It taught you. It, it brought you through the shit and the mud and the muck and the peeing and the fear so that you could help other men. So we know the purpose. But now you know what a real relationship is because you have a relationship with you. So when you look back on that first marriage, do you feel like you did it for the right reasons or do you have some of the societal pressure in there or parental pressure or friends pressure. And then you look back and you go, Holy shit. Like my life wasn't mine at all. Like yeah. not at all. Yeah. Um, dude, there's so much in what you just stated. Um, so, um, I'll tell you my story part, you know, or my perspective, and then I'll give you what kind of my, my lens on what you just said, you know, getting married, um, to that first wife, I I call the practice marriage. Um, I did it for the wrong reasons. Um, and that'll bleed into the rest of this. Um, so she had started volunteering at this nonprofit, you know, that I was running and, um, was always around and we started hanging out. We hadn't even really started dating yet, but you know, we were starting to spend some time in that direction. And then she got pregnant and it wasn't from me. It was just um, somebody. She went out for um, a night, and it just you know it was a oops. And so she came to me and was crying in my office. And she kind of had or this high performance kind of you know perspective of her. She'd been like this all state you know athlete and da 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 da. And I'm feeling for her, and I have a hero complex. And now I'm going to step in and rescue her and this kid. Like, let me step in and be, you know, the father of this kid. So we met in like September, started dating October. 
we were engaged in December and married in April. Jeez, okay. It's, it's, it's a recipe. There's so much, like, not right in all of that. You know, this is toxic from many, many different levels. There's so much, you know, now in hindsight, looking back, like, what in the hell? And there's one other piece of this is so much of my level of, you know, wanting to end my life was because my identity was in my performance. Yeah. Getting married to this girl, uh, being that hero, running this, you know, well-intentioned nonprofit was all positioning. It was all something that echoed my quote-unquote success or abilities or capacities. And when all of that was gone, who am I? Mm -hmm. I didn't have an identity in me. I placed my identity in the things I did. And this is where so many men are trapped is because the image becomes everything. And on the Enneagram, I don't know if you're in the Enneagram, but like ones, threes, and eights, uh, really, really, th this speaks right to them because everything, so much of it is performance-based. And when they can't have that level of perfection in their own heads, it's super detrimental, yeah. right? Now, flash forward into the other elements that you asked, you know, about men and how they get here. That's that identity going to... Um, this element of meaning and contribution is a big component of who we are. And that sometimes gets muddied in our pursuit of life because like you said, we want, you know, this next thing and that becomes the aspiration for validation. So when you described like someone's looking back at me because it's like a little kid. It's like, hey, daddy, look at me. Look, yeah. look what I did. Yeah. You know, see my picture, see my painting, see my sandcastle, see the car I painted, see my Pinewood Derby, see my, like we, for whatever reason, think that the things that we do become another trophy we get to put on the shelf. Yeah. And as long as we have those things, then we feel valuable. But when those things go away, everything hits the fan because again, our identity is wrapped in performance and it isn't in itself knowing of who we are. Yeah. Well said. Really well said. Yeah. I think about that a lot with, uh, I think that there's a majority. What, what do you, what's your take on this? I think there's a, a great vast majority, like in the 95% range of men who don't understand who they are deep down inside. They've never even tried they, they've had, they've been told what to do, what to think, where to go, how you're going to act, what to perform like, been rewarded for performance, like in sports, things like that. And then all of a sudden it's like pressure from parents because they got their own shit. They got their own traumas, mm -hmm. get married, have kids. And then these guys are 50 years old and they're like, oh my God, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be with this person. I don't want that boat. I don't want to go to Hawaii this year. I don't like this house. I don't want to be here. I don't want this job. And it's like total destruction mode inside because then they can't get out. They can't wiggle out of their five kids and the million dollar mortgage and four cars in the driveway and the boat slip and, and they're stuck. And they're literally yeah. captive in their own body, in their own life that they created that they didn't know they yeah. didn't want. That's a formula yeah. for disaster, man. It's a formula for a major regrets, major regrets. Mm -hmm. That's why our goal, our mission, is to help people reveal their most authentic self so that they can live the most fulfilling and regret-free life mm -hmm. possible. 
That revealing, I spent, I spent months and months and months, probably a year actually, dialing this mission statement mm. because I kept thinking like, what was the one thing that I needed to do that would free everything else up? And that was like when I worked for my dad, I was in business with my dad because I love my dad. You know, like my dad's up there with my wife and my kids, you know, like mm-hmm. right there. And so I wanted to please him. Right. Because I was a high performer and I knew I could please him. But then subsequently, after I left in years to come, really recently, I discovered that I was there helping him because I didn't feel like I was going to be able to uh, perform at the level he had, run a business like he does, and uh, subsequently have the results that he had in the lifestyle. So I basically said, I'm not good enough right away. And, and mask that in, well, I don't need to write a resume. I don't need to go to job fairs. I don't need to do any of that shit. I don't care about any of that, how to hire, how to do an interview. I'm just going to work for my dad. I love my dad. I want to work for him. It's a family business. Why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Luckily, I made a very difficult decision one day in May to have a conversation about charting my own course. And I thought he was going to hate me forever, which is no evidence to believe at all than that theory. But I, in my head, I'm like, he's going to, he's going to freaking resent me forever. He's going to hate me forever, but I need to do this. And the fear of not doing it was just a little bit higher than the fear of doing it. And that's why I stepped into action and I said that I think it's time for me to, I think it's time for me to go. And like, and then how do you react? He, like I was, he could tell I was really trying to be strong. And I'm, I mean, I'm even emotional about it now because it was, Mm. it was such a, I I felt like I was going to crush him. I felt like he was going to be so disappointed in me and like his only son, his only child. And he looked at me with like so much love. And he said, I think it's a good idea, son. I support you hundred percent. I think you need to chart your own Mm. course. You're an entrepreneur at heart, man. You can't. Even though, even though you work for me and you're kind of entrepreneurial here, I think you need to explore. Like I've been teaching you how to be an entrepreneur your whole life. I should have known that this was going to come, but I back you up. I don't have any money right now. This is back in 2012 when shit was going down. I don't have any money right now to support you, which is actually a better thing for you because you're going to have to stay on your own two feet. So you let me know whatever you want to do, whenever you want to go, and uh, and I'll back you up. And that was it. Yeah, like, That was it. But my life changed at that point because I had been, uh, I had made a lot of money in my 20s and that became my identity. Then when the money went away in like 2011 and 12, my identity was crushed. So when I got into real estate, I realized that I could get my identity back real fast by being a top producer. So let's do that. Because deep down, and I know there's some guys listening to this that are going to be like, oh shit, that's me. Deep down, if I'm in the middle of the pack, I'm not seen, I'm not heard, I'm not approved of, I'm not appreciated, I'm not loved. But if I'm at the top and I'm up on stage and I'm talking about my business and my money and my investments and my this, you're loving on me. Even though it's fake and my identity's fake and everything's mm-hmm. fake about it, you're gonna love on me. So yeah. I, I wanna get your I wanna get your take on a little bit deeper stuff on um, on identity and then how trauma forms that identity and then there's like a break there's a there's a cut that you can make on your own and it doesn't have to be i leave my family and i leave my job and i just go to costa rica and start over but like what's your take on on 
resetting identity for, for somebody who's listening, who's 30 or 50. Yeah. Yeah. So identity is such a, a critical piece of who we are. And psychology teaches us that even before the age of six, our identity is already established. The way we filter the world, the way that we believe we act or behave is um, whether by environment or, you know, by our DNA, it's already set. And so you're already filtering the world through a lens of an identity created by someone under the age of six. And so now you go into, you know, situations and you think you're seeing things at face value. You think you're seeing truth. You're actually just seeing your filters applied. And so, right, that's that lens that you see through. And so your identity is actually, we, we, we love to think that we're always in control and we're doing things so intentional and so like uh, well plotted out. But the truth is we're electrical beings and we act on impulse. Yeah. And so our filters and our judgments and our, our reactions to things are oftentimes subconscious. They're massively under, under a completely different operation than our intention. And so as you're going through life, this just becomes your status of, of, you know, operation. And it isn't until you get much older that you start to realize like, oh my gosh, I am, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old. And people are still acting the exact same way we did back in high school. You know, it's the cool kids, it's the not cool kids, it's the arts kids, it's the non-art kids, it's, it's the jocks, it's the whatever. And... We're still all trying to gamble for trying to be on top, like you said, on stage, being listened to, being heard, blah, blah, blah. And so part of this reckoning you have with your own identity is something that you have to know that the negative impulses, it's almost like they're five to ten times more powerful than any positive impulses because we haven't given ourselves permission to recognize our own greatness, we see ourselves at mercy of the things that are going around us because it just seems like that's the only way. Life is happening to me. It's judging me. It's testing me. It's mad at me, blah, blah, blah. But then you take this other perspective when you start to kind of wake up. It's like, how do I change the filter that's in my identity? And there's a saying uh, that says, what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, what you talk about, you bring about. Because your brain, your heart, your, your, your identity, I kind of lumped together in this context, is taking in information all the time. And then we place a judgment on the experience of that information. So if you had an altercation with somebody, a family member or whatever, you had abuse or you had specifically, like you said, trauma, we now place a judgment on that experience and then we wear that label in our identity. Oh, I deserve that. Or I, I should never raise my voice because I'll get struck down. I shouldn't stand out because um, then people will say I'm a fraud just like, and then we'll tell a story to ourselves about that traumatic situation. I'm not going to love someone because love just means pain because of some past situation. I'm not going to start another business again because this other business failed and I had to sell my house to get out of debt and the amount of pain. I was, I'm not going to get married again because I'm just going to cheat on the next one too. 
Like these are the stories that we tell ourselves that now create an identity. And then your brain goes into validation mode. Your brain wants to experience how it sees itself. So it will seek to attract or create the experiences, the relationships, or the opportunities that match how I see me. So if you're in dating relationships, you date the same person over and over again with just with a different face because you're attracting your favorite pain. And this is where the identity is at massive play. It's all subconscious. It's all under the current. But if you start to upgrade that, now we go back to this theorem. What am I listening to? I start listening to new truths about myself, whether that's through affirmations, meditation, prayer, uh, books you read, videos you watch, you know, the kinds of motivational or inspirational information you take in, suddenly you start thinking a little bit differently about yourself and you start to elevate your sense of self. And so a, a lot of practice I do with my guys is about building these kinds of practices that help you practice this optimized next level self and give him a name and, and see that guy, feel that guy. What is it like to experience that guy on a daily basis? And then eventually, suddenly, around you, the circumstances start to upgrade and elevate as well. Now you're attracting a higher level, a higher caliber of opportunities and relationships and experiences that now match this higher level sense of identity. And so now we experience the shift. And if you continually do that throughout your life, you'll begin to refine so many areas of your life that you otherwise would have never experienced, and you get plucked out of the matrix. And you start to see, like, I'm at interplay with the world around me. So if I'm at interplay, then what if I just choose to play on a different level? And suddenly now I'm, I'm awoke. I'm awakened. I'm not awoke. I'm woke. Sorry, I'm not one of the kids. <laughs> and now we're in this place of being a conscious man. Yeah. And we understand, like, our behaviors have consequences. And the way we treat the people around us, we it's like we... Step into third person, and as the words are coming out of our mouth, we're like, you are a desperate son of a bitch. What's your problem? Oh, you are talking out of fear. Oh, you are talking out of shame. And like in mid-sentence, you're like, e e I'm sorry, hold on a second. That's not really what I want to say. What I truly want to say is dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it's that's a whole lot of talking. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of th – that's, that's awareness, like – the first part of our program, our, our uh, purpose-driven formula program is illumination. You got to understand what formulas aren't working anymore because the results aren't there. So let's break mm -hmm. down your formula. It's all formulaic. This, you did this and did yeah. this and didn't do that. Okay, that equaled this. You didn't like that? Great. Then go do yeah. this, do this, do this. And oh, didn't work? Okay, well then don't do the first thing. Do the second two things. Oh, it worked. Okay, cool. It's all formulaic. But mm -hmm. One thing that you said was, um, well, there's a lot of stuff you said. I want to go back to a couple of things. Um, mm -hmm. Dating the same person over and over again with just a different face. I think everybody does that uh, in some capacity, regardless of what your trauma is. I can tell you that the person I ended up marrying was the different person with a different face, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. it... You know, Mary and I did a podcast episode a couple months ago about this subject, and mm -hmm. it was effortless. I didn't even think about it. I was like, wow, this person's really, like, different than every, anybody else I've ever dated. Yeah. And I allowed myself to date somebody that was different because I'm like, well, look, man, my pattern is not working here. 
the formula is yeah. not working here. Even though, yeah. even back in 2010, when I wasn't as aware as at all, really, it was, I was just a, a choice that I felt was a right choice in that moment. But I want to, I actually want to go back a little bit farther to the beginning and, um, and talk about cheating and mm -hmm. like, I want to get some clarification for some of the guys out there. They're like, yeah, whatever, man, it's all good. It is what it is. Like I just do this every mm -hmm. once in a while or yeah, my wife, you know, like I just did it once and it was just a mistake and my whole fucking yeah. world ended and like, like, like you, like, and I went into this crazy, like downward spiral and ended up under a Christmas tree looking to take my life. I want to go into that too, but my wife had a friend who um, called her one day. This is like a long, 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 long time ago. I don't even know these people anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, said, I think my husband's cheating on me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the, the normal pattern to go into is, oh, my God, what a scumbag. What an asshole. What? Oh, God. What? And then mm -hmm. I looked at her and I said, hey, hey, hey. cheating is the result of something not being present. Just understand that. So mm -hmm. you can blame him all day long, but if we don't look at her, then mm -hmm. it's an issue and it'll never get yes. solved. The pattern will repeat. So what was your cheating? Uh, if you want to talk about it, what was yeah. the genesis of that? What was the missing in your relationship that made you feel like you needed to go out and find this with someone else? Was it love and affection? Was it sex? Was it communication? Yeah. It was, it was all the above. Yeah. Um, so again, I kind of gave some context um, about how me and this person came together. Yeah. And that kind of set the tone totally. because immediately there was regret. Um, and mind you, she was pregnant, but she actually had a miscarriage right before we got married, oh. um, which could have been, you know, a doorway out had I had any sensibility like, hey, let's pause a second and let's take a look at our relationship. And let's slow down. Yeah, but that was see how this thing goes. You weren't that guy. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I didn't have that awareness. No self love. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and so there's a lot of this contributing thing that I got into just out of that, like I said, kind of a hero complex type of thing. But then once we were married, like I had saved myself from my teen years, and I say saved because I had this faith background. Like I had sex a couple times um, when I was in high school. Um, and then once more, like, I think I had like sex four times, four, three or four times or whatever. Now I'm like 19 and now I'm like, I am saving myself for my wife. Flash forward is I'm 28, 29, I think when we got married, I can't remember. Um, and she, on the other hand, had used sex to have relationship and to keep relationship. So she had a very, um, you know, in-depth sexual, you know, practice. And so now all of a sudden she has her man, we're, we're married, and she's not interested. interested. And so we'd go, you know, if we had sex every three weeks, that was good. Got it. And so now I feel rejected. I feel like I'm not enough. I'm feeling really small and inadequate. Like, what's wrong with me? Meanwhile, at work, all the shit's hitting the fan as well. So I've got layers and layers of stuff that is stripping me of my self-worth. Yeah, yeah. And much of it's self-imposed, you know? 
So we went to counseling. We're trying to work through this stuff. And, you know, it just wasn't catching, you know. And she had studied psychology, so she wasn't really thrilled with going to see a, um, a counselor because she's like, I know what all the questions are going to ask. Hmm. I'm like, well, then all the more reason why we should address this stuff. Right, right. And, and I don't want to go into all of her stuff, but she had layers and layers of things. So I'll own my part of it is as a result of my choice to A, step into that relationship in the first place that I didn't have any business to be a part of, I could have easily been supportive and loving without having a relationship, right? Totally. Number two is following through on a marriage that didn't need to happen. In fact, the day before the wedding, she was crying in the bathroom saying, I don't want to go through this. Again, signal, um, well, but I couldn't see. I'm really curious about that. Why, why did you not heed that as like a, a, a sign but it sounds like you took it as like, ah, just a little bit of wedding jitters. Don't worry about it. Yep. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. You know, I thought, oh, you know, she just, you know, I've seen all the rom-coms, all the movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, this is what they do. This is part of the process. It's scary. We're jumping in. And like, if the more we dive into, you know, looking back at that stuff, the more I just shake my head. Like, I don't even know that guy anymore. Yo, this guy. Like, there was... No way. Like, like who I am today. And I think for a lot of men, when you, you know, start to mature and grow in these areas and get your awareness, you will look back at areas of your life and like, what in the hell were you thinking? You know, (laughs) and I don't carry that again from this place of shame. And I'm mad at myself. I carry it from a place of compassion and empathy. Like, dear God, if you had some, some of the dudes that are in your life now, if they were in your life, then where would you be? And I let that fuel me like that's now it's like, I don't, most of my friends, like I just turned 50 this year. I heard you, you know, say we get 50. So I'm definitely in that place of like, it's go time yeah. because I feel like I missed out on so many other things because of the complications in my thirties. And I also recognize that had I not gone through all of these things, I would not have the insights and the wisdom and the advantage that makes me the incredible coach I am today. Absolutely. <clears throat> right? You have to have that. People, I, I was actually telling somebody this last night. When I get calls all the time. Hey, I want to get into coaching, uh, but being a coach. And uh, how, how do I do that? Can you give me some advice? And I, I, I'm a little abrasive. People who listen to this podcast understand yeah. this. This is just my personality. Yeah. I just like to, I say things really fast, really kind of abrasively. In, in people's, they make meaning of it, that it's abrasive, but it's just me saying it fast and really like um, uh, uh, percolated down into a very, very like fine, you know, it's like, it's like alcohol getting distilled. Like what you get is this very pure product. Um, yeah. And they said, what's your best advice? Like, what's the one thing? Because I'm like, well, look, dude, I, you know, if you just want my advice, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real quick on this phone call or on this text. Um, and I'll say, go fuck your life up. Go fuck your life up big time. Go quit your job and try something and fail at it miserably. Go try a a relationship and make as many mistakes as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, like do do anything you can to get experience in dragging yourself to the bottom and bringing yourself back up. That's what makes a very effective coach. I know there's going to be people that disagree with that. But how the hell can you help somebody through a, a life situation, an identity shift, not understanding their authenticity, 
not understanding any clarity about who they are. They've got mm -hmm. tons of trauma from childhood. Their emotional intelligence is locked into a seven and a half year old little kid on a playground who got a ball stolen, but you're 45 and somebody cut in front of you at the Starbucks drive through line and you're the same person just that yeah. many years later. Like, how the hell are you going to help that person? Unless you want to do some yeah. surface level shit, which is totally fine. But if you want to do the type of coaching that we do, you have got to go through some stuff. And that's the awesome mm -hmm. piece. So yeah. that is leading into, I am aware of too many people. I've never been through this. I did have in, in, 2000 and, um, in 2012, in December of 2012, my wife basically gave me from September to December to make my real estate business work and make money. Or she said, you're gonna have to get a job. That to me was a death sentence. And I'm not comparing that mm -hmm. to suicide. But I'm saying there was a time in December of 2012 where I was my 30th birthday and I thought, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here anymore. I'm not sure if I'm actually supposed to, if there's anything for me to do for this world. Like I was, I felt like I was really important in my dad's business and I was helping people do some really amazing things and moving, you know, big building materials and rare cars and salt and weapons and all kinds of cool shit around the world and, and helping commerce. Being a real estate agent, in my opinion, is a commodity business where I'm replaceable any second of any day. And you can, you can email me at mentalpurposepodcast.gmail.com if you want to have that conversation. I, I've sold a lot of houses, made a lot of money selling real estate. Real estate agents are replaceable until they're not, right? Mm -hmm. And I started to think to myself, like, is this really what I want? Like, is this really, is my life actually worth it? Should I actually can, keep going like this? Am I just going to be a realtor forever? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it wasn't right for me. Am I just going to mm -hmm. do this? Like maybe, maybe it's not worth being here. And I started going through those things. I never really told anybody that. And I never said like, well, this is how I'm going to take my life. Like it never went that deep. So I don't understand that level at what somebody has been to before. But I wonder like, Obviously, these people I'm having conversations with about attempted suicide or thought processes of ending their life, they're still here. I wonder if that's like the universe or God's way of taking you so far down and then giving you the glimmer, like the little shiny gold nugget where you're, you're in the total dark and you're like, okay, it's over. And then all of a sudden mm. you see this glimmer and you're like, oh my God, there's hope. And mm -hmm. you have to go that far. You have to strip that away so much away to where you think it's over and I'm going to process how to take my own life. Yeah. And that's how you then rebuild. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what you need to do, but I'm saying of the people yeah. that I've talked to, which is actually disturbingly a lot of people a lot. who yeah. have said, I have contemplated or I have attempted multiple times to end my life. <clears throat> Guys who are in very, you know, really uh, 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 purposeful positions today. And I'm just looking mm -hmm. at those patterns thinking, is that the way that you got to the absolute rock bottom and said, okay, this is it. You make a decision right now. You're either going to go yeah. or you're going to rebuild this thing the way you should because you got nothing left. You're out. Yeah. And, and that's the, the, the best place. And, and I love, you know, how you couch that because do you have to get to that place? No, but sadly, <laughs> a lot of us are so hard headed. We end up going there because it's the only way to get our attention. I would say this, you know, when I when I talk to my clients, I talk about you have to be able to open your hand and let go of what you've always known in order to have your hand open to take on something new. 
and whether that's in personal transformation or that's mindset or, you know, other areas, it's the same thing as this darkness we just talked about is getting to that place where you come to the end of yourself. You know, life is based in paradox. Again, I'll, I'll pull up my faith circles. You know, it said, if you want friends, you first have to show yourself friendly. If you want to get, you first have to give. And then one of the biggest principles is if you want to live, you first have to die. And people could get really morbid about that in the context of what we're saying. But the point I'm trying to make is you have to die to the identity and the man you've seen yourself to be in order for you to live in a way that actually breathes life into your lungs. Very interesting way of putting it. Right? Right? In order for you to be a good coach or a good man specifically, you're going to have to die to your opinions and your experience because all of it is stories you've told yourself and you've indoctrinated yourself to believe they are true. And I guarantee you the majority of it is absolute bullshit. And yet you show up into every room and every relationship and every conversation in the context of the story you've told yourself, not realizing you're both alienating and sabotaging opportunities that could be possible if you change the way that you approach the world. And so until you die to all of that ridiculousness, will you actually be open to discover that there's a better way? Yeah, great way of putting it. I was talking with someone this week about plant medicine. And I feel like after 2018, the beginning of 2018, I did some ayahuasca journeys and some mushroom journeys. And um, I really just needed something because I I just still didn't feel aligned. I didn't feel any. I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling things. I was just kind of still operating. I was coaching people and I had been through some real deep, dark shit. And I rebuilt a lot of stuff, but I still wasn't clicking inside. Like the gears weren't mm-hmm. matching up. It was a lot of spinning. And I feel like post 2018, like February 2018, there was a death I experienced because it doesn't seem like reality before that. Like I'm, you know, coming up on my 10 year anniversary and we were, I'm thinking about all these things that we did. And I'm looking at all these pictures and I'm like, fuck, when? That was, what? That was five years ago? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like really? I don't even remember that. But I can remember. You know, I can remember things from when I was four years old to a T. I can remember the smell, sight, sounds, taste, like everything. But that period of my life, like my mid-30s, gr- grinding and hustling, it's like almost lost now. And I can tell the stories, but it's weird because I don't feel like they're my own. I feel like I, I made them up, but like I've got the pictures to prove it. I've got the business. I've got the bank account. I've got the, the employee, ex-employees. I've got the marriage, the children to prove that it happened, but it doesn't seem like it was a reality for me. It was like, I was just going through some motions. I kind of want to talk to you about that. Um, the hustle and grind mentality. I think society teaches, especially men, this hustle and grind piece, especially these like hustle porn stars out there who were saying to, to young uh, men, especially look, fuck your twenties, hustle and grind your ass off. So you can live your thirties. Like people want to live or hustle, you know, learn and fail in your 20s and then grind in your 30s so you can live the rest of your life in your 40s and 50s like people want to. But I feel like that backs people down into like a very deep canyon that has very smooth walls with no ladders to get out. And you're just walking around like, oh my God, every year this shit's getting deeper. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to do this. And then, then you, then all of a sudden you're like me at 35 or 40 or 45 and going, oh my God. What, what have I done? Like I, I built this big mm-hmm. seven figure real estate business. 
I don't like this. I don't like any of these people I'm working with. I mean, the clients I did a little bit, yeah. the employees that take them or leave them. They're just here doing things with yeah. me. There's no connection there. We're not doing anything for the world. Well, again, we're replaceable. And it takes a lot of death inside of programs and habits and mindsets and behaviors and attitude mm -hmm. and language. It takes a lot of death of those things, those old ways to really reveal that authentic self. We have to. It must happen like that. It, it only can happen like that. It's funny because Aaron and I shot a video. Uh, um, this is this is like the last week of September that we're recording this. So by the time this comes out, you know, later this year, it's going to be different. But you know, end of the end, uh, late late September, we shot this video on um, like the lies that most coaches will tell you just to sell you some shit because they have an agenda to sell product, and how most uh, coaching uh, 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 you know products or services that we went through or experiences we went through were very surface level pieces or they were additions, but no subtraction. So it was like going to your second Thanksgiving meal and not being honest and saying, no, we actually just ate, we'll, we'll, we'll have a drink with you and we'll have dessert with you. But the host was like, no, 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 you're gonna eat. Like a big Italian family or a Greek family or something, no, you're gonna eat. Mm -hmm. And you're shoveling that plate in, you're like, fuck me, I'm gonna throw up. That's the same mm -hmm. thing. You already got a full plate, you already have a full belly. You cannot just go and pile more on. You must eliminate, like I said, the skills, mm -hmm. habits, mindsets, behaviors, attitudes, language, those pieces that just do not work for you anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't serve. But like, do you, don't, do you agree that you have to do a little bit of the work? You have to have one, a desire, and two, some kind of a vision for where you want to go, even if it's not this mm -hmm. grand vision, just a little bit of a vision that's different from where you are now so that you can start to like chart a yeah. course, figure out what you need to get rid of. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, there's so much there, you know, the, the first part that you were talking about, you know, the hustle culture, you know, so much of our generation and, and I'm speaking specifically like Gen X, um, we came under the boomers. And so it, that work ethic was a big piece and it was, you know, put your head down, work hard and don't feel. Like that was the theorem. And now we've got these next two generations where there's a lot of feeling, a lot of emotion, a lot of more, um, you know, connectedness as, as a root, but we're still telling them, get out there and just hustle, hustle, hustle. And all of that hustle is coming from a place of deficit, lack, and you're not good enough. And so the performance is being ingrained and entrenched in people's minds that you're going to have to earn the right to get what you have. The problem with that is if you get to the thing that you wanted to have, A, you can't really enjoy it because you think you have to keep working harder to then sustain it and keep it. So the whole philosophy is fucked. And everything becomes about that behavior. It becomes about performance, performance, performance. What if you worked smarter and you trusted that it's not about what you do, but it's who you are. And what if you becoming who you are meant to be would attract things faster and easier than you ever thought possible? And therefore, there was a completely different theory in a quantum world that you could connect to that would get you what you want in a way that was sustainable, that was enjoyable, and got you to a place of loving who you've become.
So now you can be present to enjoy it. A lot of these people who have done the hustle stuff, look at their faces. They look like they're haggard. They look exhausted. They look tanked. You know, I'm 50, dude. I got, I got some rosy. F- look, I'm. Look at this. This is this is righteous living, baby. You know, because I chose a different way, and I'm living out of an overflow and an abundance of my own greatness. And that's what I love to pull out of people. And this is what we've forgotten. We think we have to do these things in order to be great, instead of understanding you were already born in your greatness. Let's awaken you and enlighten you and remind you of how great you fucking are. Like, that's where you win. You want to come from that place of like the things that are in me, all the universe, all of that is here. This creative force is something that already resides in me. Holy crap, I just, this reminded me, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I just read a quote this morning from Kamal Ravikant. I don't know if I said that right. I probably did. K-A-M-A-L, Ravikant. He said this. He said, I promise you that the same stuff galaxies are made of, you are. The same energy that swings planets around stars makes electrons dance in your heart. It is in you, outside you. You are it. It is beautiful. Trust in this and your life will be grand. Like, we forget how powerful we actually are because there's so few men living from that power. We don't see it demonstrated. We don't see it modeled. It's not taught in our schools. And the the people that went before us, our dads and our dad's dads, like, they did not have this kind of construct or tools to be able to show us. And so now it's like you and I and our kind, this is our invitation This is our opportunity. And for those of you listening, it is yours as well. There is a different way. Yeah, and that brings this thing full circle if you think about it and what I said in the beginning, which was a lot of people, not a lot, but a lot of naysayers will say to me, like, why do you support other coaches? Why do you plug them on your show? Like, you're paying for that show. Why do you put other coaches on it? Do they pay you for that? I'm like, no, this is why. Because maybe for the first time in generations you know, probably for the first time in history, the level of uh, awareness, clarity and honesty and vulnerability and feminine energy mix in men today is mm-hmm. probably the best it's ever been. And yeah. if if our job is to, you know, quote unquote, change lives just to be cheesy, then like, why would we got to celebrate each other and push each other and help each other? Because we are actually changing generations from now in the future. Like, that's my personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. Generations now mm-hmm. and in the future is like the last line and living with no regrets. That's our job. So, yeah, could I have been a real estate agent and made some difference in people's lives? Absolutely. But not like this. Not like this. And I challenge people to think about your job the way I thought about my real estate career. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay I'm making a lot of money. People seem to be happy. My employees seem to be happy. I'm the one that's miserable. Subsequently, my wife is miserable. So Mm -hmm. am I ballsy enough to make a change? And do I have a vision big enough and the balls big enough to chase it? And the balls big enough to set a mission that's grand enough to fucking move me? 
And I just kept thinking about that every night. Is this really it? Every morning I wake up, I look in the mirror and I go, is this really it? Is this really all, all I'm supposed to do in this world? Sell some fucking houses in Baltimore? Again, yeah. don't make any meaning of it, Baltimore agents. It's me. It's me talking. It's my experience. Don't make meaning of this shit. Um, and, and it led me to, to a little vision and then a little bit bigger vision. And then this mission came out and I was like, I think I can do that. I think I can do yeah. that. And then I started coaching people years ago and I thought, man, I, I really enjoy this. Like these people's lives are changing. This is really cool. And then when Men on Purpose, the brand name, everybody knows the story. Like I didn't start Men on Purpose, but Men on Purpose was nothing before me. It was just a series of episodes that didn't really have any downloads. And the old owner said, I'm going to mothball this thing. It's going nowhere. It's not popular. It doesn't do anything. It's just a cool name. Do you want to buy it? And I said, you know what? Yeah. That's the universe giving me the sign that my mission is dead on to help men transform their lives, to change generations of people. So where kids can come to me, grandkids can come to me in 50 years from now or 60 years from now and go, dude, my dad listened to your, my grandfather listened to your podcast mm -hmm. and like talked about love and emotion with me today. That's so cool. So last thing before we wrap, man, I want to talk about yeah. Self-love because there's a lot of guys that are listening to this and I don't want to be like those programs that I was telling you about that just kind of pile on some surface level shit. I want some action items that these guys can do. In yeah. my opinion, if you don't love you, value you, care about you or think that you're important, if you don't act in a selfish manner to take care of yourself or make sure your, your morning routine is, is first and foremost before your children get up, but then go and spend time with your children, like there's a problem there. And so... What are your examples for someone to get into action and just start loving on themselves and start respecting and, and like saying, I'm worth it. I'm going to, I'm going to apply this time to me today. Yeah. Oh man. So every man is different, but I would tell you this, like there are, there are a couple of things I would tell you. One is what is the emotion that makes you feel alive? Like if you were to think back again, to your childhood, like what are some of the emotions that make you feel alive? Like you had a family gathering, you had a party, you had uh, something in school. Like there are some emotions that connect with you, that resonate with you. Like your nature wants joy or wants connectedness or wants belonging. How can you recreate that on a daily basis? Because I'll tell you, if you can connect to your core emotional elements that fuel you, and then you bring that into your day, your whole consciousness every day is, how do I recreate these emotions through my business, through my work, through my service, or through my products, right? And what happens is that becomes a contagion because that same emotion will transfer to whoever you're outreaching to, your family, your spouse, your, your customers, your clients, your colleagues, your team. And when you see it magnified in them or, you know, they get the contagion, it only fuels you even more. And so now it becomes like almost this nuclear bomb, uh, nuclear bomb, nuclear fission, where it's like this ongoing thing, just like nuclear power is created. It just keeps feeding itself and feeding itself because the acronym for today is the only day actually yours. I can't do anything about the past. And I, I like to fool myself to think I can do something about the future. But the truth is, today is the only day you can do something about. And so my focus is, right? 
So in this moment, I want to feed my soul with things that give me that joy, that peace, that love, that whatever that emotion is for you. And then make ways for me to echo that into the world through what I do. So that's number one. Number two is, what is it that, and man, dang it, we, are, we find this so hard to give ourselves permission for margin. How do you make time for something that can just be yours, a time to read things that are going to uplift you, fiction or nonfiction, or a time to get a massage, or if you're into manicures or pedicures in a metrosexual world, live your dream. Go do that. If you want to um, go for a walk, go for a hike. Me, my best time is with a glass of bourbon and a cigar out by my pool. Like I'm trying to make space for that over and over again because I can just in that moment (sighs) celebrate me and my life and the things around me. Because if you don't learn how to celebrate you, you can't expect others to celebrate you too. Because as you see yourself is how you give people permission around you to see you. And this goes back to that core identity. And so if you struggle to celebrate things in yourself, you can start with something really small. Like today I woke up and I breathed. And you're like, oh, that's just trite. What are you talking about? I'm like, bro, if you don't know how to like pat yourself on the back and say congratulations, you got to start with something that feels uh, tangible. And then you can build up to bigger things. Um, and then there's the morning, like you said, a morning routine. I have a program uh, in in my coaching I call the Morning Manifest. I've since changed that to the 10-Minute Motivator because that little uh, document some of the guys would do at night or in the middle of their day or right before they're going to go give a speech or a presentation because it fueled them. It reminded them about how badass a mofo they were or are, I should say, in present tense. And... That is a tool of affirmations and principles around your life and creating these kinds of tools for yourself. It could be as simple as taking a a dry erase marker and writing it on your bathroom mirror so it's the first thing you see in the morning, it's the last thing you see at night. It could be post-it notes that you have in your office, on your refrigerator, on your car windshield. Stuff that reminds you like you are powerful and you are taking over the world with your being. And I don't mean that from like, I'm awesome, I'm grandiose, and I'm a narcissistic son of a bitch. No, I mean, I'm coming to the world as the best version of myself, making decisions on the behalf of those around me for our best interest together and combined. That I show up, and I'm not going to be weak, I'm not going to play small, but I'm going to chase after my dreams. And when I listen to those oracles of the UK, the Spice Girls, and they said, tell me what you want, what you really, really want, I'm one of the... Few people in the world that know exactly what I want. And I'm creating it in my life each and every day. I love that, man. Absolutely love that. You just got to give yourself permission. It's the number one thing. Because most people, most men I speak with will say, I don't have time, man. I got three kids. I got a job. I got to get up. My wife's this. I go, okay, just do 10 minutes earlier, man. It's 10 minutes earlier. That's it. Like it doesn't, this isn't rocket science. It's not nuclear science like you're yeah. talking. It's, it's not hard. It just takes little yeah. steps, build some habits. But that, that mm-hmm. treat yourself with respect, that self-care, self-love piece, that is a massive piece, man. Massive piece. One of my That's old awesome. mentors, 
Yeah. I got to his house, um, and I love him for this. He he said to me, before you go to sleep, I want you to go downstairs to the bedroom. Uh, you got your own bathroom down there, and I want you to look in the mirror and say, I did this. I created this, mm. and I love you. And I want you to cry. I want mm. you to feel emotion. And I was like, oh, cool, okay. I walked downstairs. I was like, you did this. I love you. Empty. Huh. Walk back upstairs. It's one in the morning, by the way. And I said, hey, uh, yeah. what am I supposed to get from this? What do I, what, what? and he goes, yeah. you know, you'll know when you feel it. And he goes, just mm-hmm. don't stop. Don't sleep. Just keep going. This is the moment that transformation is going to happen for you. And he learned it from somebody else because I subsequently learned it from them too. But like, I did that for like three hours until I finally was so like tired and like weak and broken down by myself that I started to cry. And I looked up in the mirror, like I just had my head down like this, like, I did this. I love you, Ian. I love you. And I looked up with tears in my eyes and I was like, oh my God, I broke through the bedrock. I, I, that's what it is. It's that, that's what it is. It's that yeah. I just broke through. Like I just broke through. Yeah. And so every time I get in front of a mirror, I'm like, bro, I fucking love you. Look at you. Look at you. You yeah. look good, man. Yeah. 40 years old. Look at you, bro. Look, man, you're in shape, yeah. man. You're doing amazing things for the world. I fucking love you. Look at you. And like, that's my, that's my routine. Now my car mirror, a freaking window. I see myself in walking into a store. I'm like, love you, you know? And people probably think mm-hmm. I'm weird, but yep. I got to love me when nobody else is going to love me or it doesn't matter if other people love me if I don't. So I love this, man. This has been, this has been, uh, this has been fantastic. I talked to you for hours. I know we're going to build stuff together. I know we're going to do an event together. So audience stay tuned for that next year, 2022. Um, and we're just going to continue to support each other in our missions to, to help men transform their lives, reveal their most authentic self, live these fulfilling and regret-free lives. And Mm-hmm. however we need to do that we're just committed we're gonna do it so thanks for being here dude thanks for all your wisdom today it's really pleasure. fantastic my pleasure and thanks for creating a platform for your audience and the dudes that you're attracting because you know our vibe attracts your tribe and like you said before like who we are coming together there needs to be more of us and if you're listening and you want to be a part of ian's tribe like you need to reach out because nobody's going to reach out for you. You know, open up your laptop, open up your phone, reach out to him on his website and say, let's do this. Let's fucking do this. And guess what? You don't have to spend money. You don't have to make a commitment to anything mm-hmm. except for picking up a phone or shooting a private message that says, hey, man, I heard Angus. I heard you guys talk. Uh, do this for Angus, too. Like DM him and go, hey, man, I heard you talk. It registered with me. That's all you got to do. We'll take care of the rest. We'll guide you. If people aren't right for our programs, we don't let you in. That's the, that's, that's a little secret amongst the pros. Like Angus and I will not let you into a program that you're not right for. We're not doing this just to grab dollars. We make a living by, by it, but it's not for everybody. And so um, this is this is awesome, man. I really love it. People can go to uh, yeah. mentalpurposepodcast.com or ianlobos.com to get everything about you. But where else can they find you with your website? You can go to uh, AngusNelson.com and uh, you can find all my stuff there. Uh, keep it super simple. One call to action. And it'll be in the show notes, everybody. So, Angus, thanks, brother. Really appreciate your time today, man. Really do. My pleasure, Ian. Thanks to you, brother. Absolutely. Audience, hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next one.